this really is a, a special uh, place for me. I, f- I feel in a lot of ways like, like it's holy ground. The, the Lord has done so much work in my life here at Reality Carpenteria. Um, my wife and I started attending in like 2005 or something and until Reality Ventura started. And in, in that span of time, I mean, the, the Lord grew me and broke me and restored me, called me into vocational ministry, which was something that was never on my radar or anyone that knew me and no, on no one's radar. Um, the Lord has done incredible things. Um, and I'm one voice of thousands of voices. And it is a tremendous honor uh, to be here today. I recognize it is kind of a weird season for a visit in the midst of, you know, COVID and whatnot, but it is a sweet time to come and worship with extended family. So thank you for having me here uh, today. The text we're going to be looking at is in the book of Habakkuk chapter three. It's written by the prophet Habakkuk uh, not long before Babylon's uh, invasion and capture of Jerusalem, which was uh, in the seventh century BC. So while an ancient text, uh, he's writing into a season in the life of Israel that is not terribly unlike the season that we're experiencing right now um, in all, all of the world but especially here in Southern California, Habakkuk reveals a hard, barren time for Israel. Time, a time not very unlike the time we live in. Uh, for many of us, COVID and the current restrictions have left a barrenness in their wake. If there ever was a year to forego thankfulness, certainly 2020 might be the year right? The year has been simply awful in so many ways for so many different people. Yet Habakkuk reminds us today that the Lord is triumphant even in barren seasons. And so we can be thankful. And that's the title of our sermon this morning is Thankfulness in Barrenness. Let's read our text. Now I'll be reading and teaching from the New American Standard Bible this morning. Habakkuk 3, we'll just look at verses 17 and 18. It says, even if the fig tree does not blossom and there is no fruit on the vines, if the yield of the olive fails and the fields produce no food, even if the flock disappears from the fold and there are no cattle in the stalls, he says, yet I will triumph in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord for his church this morning. Please join me as we pray. Father God, it is so good to be together in your presence. It is so good for us to be together in your presence, in your word. We pray now, Father, that you would open the floodgates of heaven, that your Holy Spirit would minister to our hearts. Holy Spirit, give me words, give us understanding, change and mold our hearts and our lives. Pray this morning for hope and thankfulness. And we pray all of this in the one name that is able, the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, the Thanksgiving holiday is upon us and the Thanksgiving holiday itself is a tradition of thankfulness in barren seasons. The first Thanksgiving at Plymouth in 1621 was in the midst of a barren season. 
102 people left the old world for the new in 1620. One year later, there were 55 people still alive. In November of that year, there were 50 people who were still alive. Every family had lost at least one, and there were several families that were completely wiped out by sickness and starvation. And then in November of 1621, this little colony struggling to survive is visited by 90 men from the local Wampamoag tribe. Just 90 dudes show up at this village. You can imagine there was some fear there, unable to communicate. They did their best and everybody decided to come together and share a feast. They shared a feast that lasted three days. And they had shooting contests. They had invited the Wampamoagan to, to do corporate prayer with them. There were foot races. They, they shared all kinds of food that, that the Wampamoag were, turned out they were good at growing. That first Thanksgiving brought 54 years of peace between the white settlers and the Wampamoag people. 243 years later, in the midst of another terribly barren season, Thanksgiving became a U.S. holiday. The year was 1863, and it was right in the middle of a bleak, bloody, seemingly endless civil war here in the States. President Abraham Lincoln declared a holiday for Americans right in the middle of the civil war, declared a holiday so that we would turn our hearts to God and give thanks. And this is how our Thanksgiving holiday became an annual event. It's modeled after a feast of Thanksgiving in the midst of difficult, uncertain, barren times and inaugurated by our President Lincoln in the midst of a violent, barren season of war. And the third thing I will say about Thanksgiving is 81 years after Lincoln declared it a national holiday, the date for Thanksgiving was chosen by another president. Franklin Delano Roosevelt declared that the date for Thanksgiving would be the fourth Thursday of, of, of every November. Well, he established that in 1943 in the midst of World War II, and not just in the midst of World War II. It was in that barren season after the invasion of Pearl Harbor, before we had made the offensive into Europe. See, giving thanks in hard, barren seasons is an American tradition for sure, but it's not just an American tradition. We see the same pattern throughout all of scripture. The people of God, when we face difficult, barren seasons, we face them with thankfulness. We see the most poignant and powerful picture and example of this thankfulness and barrenness in the life of Jesus. Jesus shows us how to face hardship with a posture of thanks and praise. Jesus was fully man, and fully God. And as a man, he would have faced temptation and frustration. He would have faced the similar impulses that we all face in daily life. And as God, Jesus knew that he was going to have to lay down his life, that he would have to forego his personal safety and forego these desires and, and the curiosity that life brings with it. Just imagine for a moment, the tension held this inner battle in Jesus, submitting these impulses, these desires to the father. And Jesus, of course, was God. And as God, he didn't have to give thanks for anything, but he did. And if you've read your Bibles, you know that Jesus gave thanks to the Father a lot. But he wasn't just fully God, he was also fully man. And so it would be understandable as a man, we're living the hard life and the hard calling that Jesus had. It'd be understandable if Jesus had trouble being thankful. 
But not only was Jesus thankful, he demonstrated a pattern of faithful, continual thankfulness in his life. And this pattern is remarkable. It's significant, I believe, for us to consider today in our current uncertain, barren season that we're living out in 2020. Jesus's pattern of thankfulness defined his seasons of barrenness. It wasn't the other way around. And in this current season of barrenness, it can be easy for us to allow fear or it's easy for us to allow cynicism or criticism or personal loss. It's easy to allow other things to define the season. And so today it does us good to turn our attention to Jesus as we live life this year. Jesus's life was marked by thankfulness to God because Jesus knew God. Jesus enjoyed the unchanging character and the unchanging love of God. And because God is love and God is unchanging, because God is faithful, Jesus was thankful. Thankfulness defined Jesus's life in two main ways. We're going to take a look at this this morning. We're going to look at Jesus's posture of thankfulness that he had in life. And we're going to look at his continual thankfulness that he had in life. Jesus, Jesus's life demonstrated a posture of thankfulness. When you read the New Testament, you see Jesus thanking God the Father a lot. Now, it seems that Jesus was thankful for everything, but more than anything, Jesus thanked God. If you were to like count the prayers, he thanked God for food an awful lot in the New Testament. He did it very often. Thanking God for our food, it seems almost trivial. It's like the simplest thing on earth. And, and I think maybe that's the point. Uh, the, James writes in James chapter 1, verse 17, he reminds us that every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation, no shifting shadow. The point is that God never changes. And if our gratitude is focused on God who never changes, then our thankfulness is unchanging. But if our heart is fixed on life's circumstances or other people, then our gratitude will be inconsistent because life circumstances change and other people change. And so James's point, I believe, is that God consistently loves and cares for us as a good father loves and cares for his children. And everything we have comes from him. Everything he says. And so Jesus acknowledging this models a posture of thankfulness. Jesus, the creator of all sustenance, gave thanks for simple, simple provisions over and over. And Jesus was thankful for much more than food, of course. He was thankful for both the simple things like a meal and for the supernatural things. He was impressed by the grace of God as he walked among ordinary men. Uh, One of my favorite picture of this is in Matthew chapter 11. We see Jesus teaching his disciples. Now, the the, the main point, kind of the, the thrust of the theology that Jesus taught when he taught people, he was teaching people about the kingdom of heaven. There's this, this idea that the kingdom of heaven had come to earth. And so here in Matthew 11, we see a picture of Jesus teaching his disciples, connecting the ancient prophecy of the Messiah with this theology of the kingdom of God that he always talked about. And in the midst of this teaching, and it's a really good teaching if you've not read the book of Matthew, in the midst of this teaching, he's overcome with thankfulness. And he just starts geeking out on the grace of God. 
He's, he like hits the pause button and he starts worshiping the father. You see it in Matthew 11, verse 25. It says at that time, right, right in the middle of this teaching, Jesus prays this prayer. Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever and for revealing them to the childlike. He says, yes, Father, it pleased you to do it this way. Imagine that moment. Jesus, who knows everything, but as he teaches his disciples, something must have struck him. Maybe he's, he's just looking at how rough these fishermen were, right? Just these everyday men. He's got his disciples. These are the men that are going to follow him. These are the men kind of like the bedrock as Jesus referred to Peter as like the rock, you know, like the church is going to, is going to start and, and the work of the church is going to be born by here on earth is going to be born out. And by these men, these men were going to like really lay down their lives for the kingdom of God. And he's looking at these fishermen and they've got these gnarly rural accents and they're rough. None of them are very bright. They ask dumb questions. They have hot tempers. They're ordinary people. They're otherwise hopeless people. They were fearful people. They were stuck people, unable to do anything about their life on their own. Jesus was impressed, I believe, because these were, he was surrounded by people like me, ordinary people. In the midst of a season like we're in right now. I think there's a deep meaning for us as we take note of Jesus's thankfulness here. God's love overwhelmed Jesus. God's love overwhelmed Jesus and it defined Jesus's actions. Church, God wants to overwhelm your life. God wants to define your life with his love. He wants to impress you with his love the same way that Jesus was overwhelmed and impressed with the love of God. I am amazed that the Lord would let me be a recipient of his grace. I'm shocked that I'm invited to participate in the kingdom family of God and the kingdom plan of God here on earth. That blows my mind. And I believe today the Lord would have you be impressed by that. Allow that to sink in, that idea that the Lord of heaven and earth knows you by name and has called you, adopted you into his family, as the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians. Where maybe there's discouragement or disappointment in your heart and in your life right now. Listen, allow the love of God to distract you and cause thankfulness to well up in you today. For those among us who are anxious or fearful or troubled or concerned about life, allow the reality of God's love to create in you a thankfulness. Church, let's allow thankfulness to evict disappointment. Allow thankfulness to evict fear, to evict cynicism. These, the critical spirit that can creep into our heart in these difficult times. The writer of Hebrews would encourage us this way. In Hebrews 12, verse one, the second half of the verse, the writer of Hebrews would say, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And then he gives us this beautiful word of encouragement. He says, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Strip away the things that trip us up. Strip away disappointment in this season. Strip away fear. Strip away the cynicism and the criticism. The Lord has a plan for your life. The Lord has a plan for your family. The Lord has a plan for reality carpenteria. And this season of barrenness is a part of that plan. And so I believe the Lord would say today, posture yourself. 
posture yourself and posture yourself for victory in this season by taking a posture of thankfulness to the Lord. Let's turn our eyes to Jesus and thank him for the new life that he has given us. As the Lord brings thankfulness to our hearts, we turn that thankfulness into praise. And I believe that the Lord would have some of us this morning speak with our lips so that we could hear it with our own ears, so that we can receive it down into our heart. Pray out, cry out, declare out things like, thank you, Lord, for providing for my needs. Imitate Jesus if you need someone to imitate. Thank you, God, for this food. Thank you, Lord, for loving me. Thank you, God, for your unchanging presence and power in my life. Rehearse the beautiful grace and mercy of the Lord toward you today. I feel in difficult seasons, we need to rehearse like an actor preparing for a play. Rehearse the beauty of God. Rehearse the presence of God. Rehearse the love of God. Remember, recall. And like Jesus, let's allow thankfulness to become our posture as we evict disappointment, as we evict fear, as we evict cynicism in a critical spirit. Let's take a posture of thankfulness and set our eyes on Jesus. Amen? That was point one. Point two. We desire like Jesus to assume a posture of thankfulness and we desire to live lives as Jesus lived, marked by continual thankfulness. Jesus continued in thankfulness. His life was marked by his continual thankfulness to the Father. And this is important for us to see because Jesus gave praise to the Father in really, really barren times. Like COVID is nothing compared to the time that Jesus lived in under Roman occupation. Being an outsider, not being received by the religious elite, even being kind of rejected by his family, sort of an embarrassment having a bunch of like rabble follow him as his disciples. But Jesus gave thanks. There are a few uh, poignant examples, I think, that are powerful for us to take a look at this morning. The, The first one that really stuck out to me is Jesus gave thanks as he was surrounded by thousands of hungry people, but he had like no food. Okay, I don't know if that's ever stuck out to you, but picture this, like pull up a blank canvas in your brain and close your eyes if you need to paint this picture. Jesus surrounded by thousands of hungry people and rather than sending them away to go get food, like, he, like the disciples are trying to encourage him to do, like save some face, Jesus, at least let them go get something to eat. Rather than sending them away, he goes to great trouble to organize them into groups of 50 and 100 people. Okay, I've done a lot of youth ministry in my life. You know how long it takes me to get our 110 teenagers in Reality Ventura into groups of 50? Okay, that's like two groups. (laughs) Imagine getting thousands of people into groups of 50. It's drama. It's work. It required a lot of effort to do. Maybe they were social distancing. I don't know. But once everyone was organized into these groups, Jesus stands up and check this out. Paint this picture. He holds the food up. What's wrong with that picture? There's thousands of people broken into groups of 50 to 100 and Jesus is able to lift all of the food that he had with his own two hands. We have a problem here. Not enough food. He has five loaves of bread. He has two fish, not even enough to feed all of his disciples. Imagine in this moment, the apostle Peter just inventing the face palm, just like, really Jesus? Like, like, and now you're gonna hold it all up so everyone knows that this is all we've got. But as he holds up this small meal, Jesus expresses his thankfulness to the Father for the food that they did have. Jesus continued in thankfulness. As he stands in front of thousands of people, 
he expresses public gratitude to the Father. What were the people thinking in that moment? What were the disciples thinking in that moment? Right? My biggest concern is what were the mothers of hungry children thinking in that moment? Jesus was thankful in the midst of what must have been a skeptical crowd, a barren moment. When people were not seeing what Jesus saw, Jesus continued in thankfulness. It's a powerful picture for us to consider today. It was the same with his dear friend, Lazarus. Remember that story? Jesus delays in coming to Lazarus when he was very sick. Lazarus dies. Jesus shows up. He stands at the entrance to the tomb. He asks them to roll the stone away. And he stands in this open tomb in front of his friend's decaying dead body. Imagine that moment. Get a fresh canvas out and paint that picture. Imagine Lazarus's sisters. Imagine the disciples in that moment. Like, geez, Jesus, really? Roll the rock away? But look what Jesus does. John chapter 11, verse 41. It says, so they removed the stone as he had asked. Jesus raised his eyes and he says, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And then he clarifies. He goes, but I know that you always hear me. Nevertheless, because of the people standing around, I said it so that they may believe that you sent me. See, Jesus is thanking the father for his faithfulness to hear his prayer. He's thankful for the character of God in this moment. He's he's not thanking God for raising Lazarus from the dead. That hasn't happened yet. He he could have raised Lazarus from the dead and then thank God, but that's, that's out of the order of operations for Jesus. He gives God all of the glory for being God before God performs what Jesus was about to ask him to do. Motivated by the Father's character, Jesus is thankful in a barren moment because God is always faithful and God is always good, no matter what happened to Lazarus. Finally, last example I'll give you guys. The Last Supper. We see Jesus expressing thankfulness to the Father in very unlikely, very barren moment in Jesus's life. First, okay, it says that he's thankful for the bread and the wine that they were about to eat. Okay, this is his last night as a free man. Jesus thanks the Father as he breaks bread and offers the cup. Don't miss this. Okay, pull out a, a third canvas to paint on here. Jesus lived his life from a place of knowing that there was a cross before him. His whole life was lived in the shadow of a cross. He knew he was going to the cross. He knew that he would lay his life down. And on this last night as a free man, he's thanking the father for this bread and this cup. He he had received that reality, this barren calling, and he's thanking the father. Now feel that tension there for a moment. In his hands is a cup and is some bread, symbols of both the horror of his impending death and symbols of the fullness of God's love for humanity. Imagine the tension Jesus felt in that moment. Worshiping God for his love and his grace and his mercy for humans and feeling the weight of the impending arrest and torture and murder execution that he would experience. And that horrific, holy moment, Jesus continues in thankfulness. Whether feeling pressure to feed thousands of people or standing at the tomb of a friend, or even on that night where he would face unspeakable torture, beatings, 
ridicule, being publicly mocked. Jesus's response was never disappointment. It was never fear. It was never criticism. It was never bitterness. Jesus was fixated upon the character of the father and he was thankful. Jesus navigated barren seasons with thankfulness and peace. He was even willing to stand alone in his thankfulness. When people around him were gripped in fear, or they were gripped with cynicism, or they were gripped in a critical spirit, critical of the government. The people around him were so fixated on what the government was doing. Jesus was fixated on what the father was doing. Even when his friends were complacent and sleepy, when they didn't get it, the people around him have kind of just abandoned him. Like what's, what's crazy old Jesus up to now? Kind of thing, falling asleep. Jesus continued in thankfulness. And as Jesus continued in thankfulness in the barren seasons of his life, he affected the world around him. God moved through him. Guys, we see this throughout all of scripture. God moves in and through thankful hearts. Paul and Silas, remember, they get arrested for preaching the gospel for like the billionth time. They beat them, throw them in prison. They're literally chained and they're in prison. And as they're down there, they choose, like Jesus did, they choose to remember the character of God and they assume a posture of thankfulness. In fact, it says they continued in thankfulness as they worshiped God and sang songs and praised God from prison. And guess what happened? If you've read your Bibles, you already know, right? They affected the world around them, didn't they? Prison doors were supernaturally opened. Locked chains fell off of the prisoners. The prison guard was undone. What is happening? Earthquake, prisoners free. He's about to kill himself. The world was shaken and turned upside down. Entire families turned to trust in the Lord. What's going on here? Paul and Silas's thankfulness affected the world around them. God moved in them as they placed their mind and their heart on the character and faithfulness and love of God. In a moment of thankfulness, in a barren moment, in a barren season, we see the kingdom of, of heaven move upon the face of the earth as literal chains, as supernatural chains even. Chains of bondage fell off of an entire family that evening. Repentance, salvation, baptism, the kingdom of heaven is moving upon earth and God moves through thankful hearts. This is how God operates. Reality Carpenteria, hear me this morning. God is always working in us to affect the world around us. God is working in you this morning to affect the world around you. Our thankfulness changes the spiritual climate around us. Our attitude affects the world around us in the midst of this season of uncertainty, this coronavirus barrenness. We can be certain about the character and the faithfulness and the goodness of God, even if it's the only thing that we're certain of right now. Even if we stand alone in our certainty right now. Don't miss this this morning. Christian, God is working in you today to affect the world around you. This Holy Spirit is working today to show you the love and the faithfulness of God. And how does God always do that? How does the Holy Spirit always move? He always moves by showing us Jesus. Turn your eyes and your hearts and your hopes to Jesus. 
because God is faithful in every season. Church, we can be thankful in every season, even in seasons of barrenness. Listen, I know life is hard. Some of us here today, you might've lost a lot already in this season. Some of you might be very fearful of the future. Some of you might be angry about people and politics and viruses and things that are just out of control and out of your control. And it's not always easy to be thankful, especially in difficult, hurtful seasons. Turn your eyes upon Jesus today. I, I, I picture that, I, I don't know how old she was and I don't even remember her name. I should have put this in my notes, I think, but that, her first name is Mary. And a hundred years ago, I think it was in 1920 or 1921, she wrote that hymn. And I choose to believe that she was this old lady, just full of faith. I don't know, but she probably was. And she's just, just huddled by probably a candle and she's just writing this out. And she writes out these incredible words to this hymn. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Does that sound right? I should have put it in my notes. That was a good, that was a good version of it if it's not 100% accurate. But see, Jesus gives us cause for thankfulness and barrenness. And as we draw near to Jesus, that beautiful picture that this, this woman gives, as Jesus gets closer to us, the things of earth and the fears of earth and the fears of, of, of politics and, and viruses and finances and relationships, those things kind of go a little bit out of focus in the peripheral as Jesus draws near, as Jesus increases, the worries and the tension of life decreases. Jesus gives us cause for thankfulness and barrenness and thankfulness turns our heart toward God and affects the world around us. But we don't walk in thankfulness when we're looking for contentment in politics or finances or our health or our relationships. See, the key to thankfulness in hard times is to focus on the eternal character of God and not on life's circumstances. And so church today, Let's pray to the Lord that we would have the grace and the Holy Spirit power to see Jesus, to draw near to Jesus, to follow after Jesus, and to walk in thankfulness. And as we set our hearts and our minds and our eyes and our lives on the never-changing character of God in these ever-changing times, allow the peace of God, allow the peace of God to guard your heart and your mind. The Apostle Paul makes this incredible connection between a thankful heart and the peace of God. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, he says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and pleading with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Thankfulness to God activates the peace of God. Thankfulness to the Prince of Peace brings peace. Christian, you may need to hear this today. God is with you right where you are. And he is moving in the midst of your life right now, today, even if life feels barren. He is working in the midst of your situation right now. God is powerful and God is faithful and God is able And he is willing. He is wanting to move in you and work through you. Remember, God is faithful in every season. 
so we can be thankful even in this season. So as we lift our voices in worship together, draw near to God. Let's declare the truth about who God is. Let's rehearse the character of God and the love of God. Let's rehearse the faithfulness and the grace of God. The things that so impressed Jesus about the Father. Let's allow those things to impress upon our heart the reality that Jesus is for you and with you and has gone before you and is leading you now, even today, to a place of purpose and a place of peace. The Lord is desiring to move in you so that he can move through you. God is worthy of our praise. Let's give him the praise and the honor he deserves. Let's fill our hearts and our homes. Let's fill this neighborhood with thankfulness as we worship the Lord together now. Amen. Let's pray with me, please. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for your word and for your Holy Spirit, God, that makes sense of my otherwise very jumbled mind. Thank you, God, for Jesus. First and foremost, we push Jesus out into the center of this gathering. Jesus, it is you that we adore. Jesus, it is you that we long for. Jesus, it is you that we need. Jesus, it is you that we fix our hearts and our minds and our eyes and we desire to pattern our life after. So this morning, God, we declare where there is barren soil, maybe in our hearts, where there is barren soil, maybe in our lives, where there is barren soil, maybe even in the church today, God, send the nourishment of hope water dry soil, allow the rain of heaven to pour down in this barren season. Jesus, you are both the example and the reason for our thankfulness. Nourish us today with your peace. Saturate us with your grace and your truth. Lead us now as we stand on weary feet to worship and be thankful. In Jesus' name, amen.